Now then, where was I? Oh yes, let's talk about six. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of God's Own Scale podcast. Yes, at long last, episode 6 is here. I promised it for so long and it's finally here. Your humble podcast host has finally got his butt into gear and put together another episode for your aural delectation. In truth, this episode was recorded nearly seven weeks ago, and I thank my guest Dan Hodgson for his patience in me getting this out. There are numerous reasons that have caused the delay, and my own hobby has been in a bit of a dip, and that's combined with a change in role at work, family activities, etc., leaving little time, energy, or if I'm honest, inclination to get this episode out, but here it is. Today's guest is Dan Hodgson of Ravelli Painting Service. You can find him on Facebook posting pictures of his exquisite work with seemingly a new project every other day. This recording is in fact the second version as the first one completely crashed with Dan's audio sounding like he was 10,000 leagues under the sea. Hopefully we didn't lose too much podcast gold during that chat and we've managed to find something uh, that will please you and entertain you for the next hour or so. Keep listening after the interview for some news from myself about the podcast. But for now, sit back and enjoy my chat with Dan. It's time to talk about six. Mademoiselle from Okay, uh, welcome to episode six of God's Own Scale, and I'm joined by Mr. Dan Hodgson. Hello, Dan. Hello, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm getting a sense of deja vu. <laughs> Indeed. It's my, it's the curse of the technology in me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's one of us. Well, yeah, no, yeah. I us. don't really do technology. You know, I think in fact this is the only the only time I've I've used this this Zencaster. Now, of course, we tried uh, we tried on the uh, Skype, and that was the first time I tried Skype as well. So, yeah, still got a Nokia phone, and uh, I don't really do technology. Welcome to the twenty first century. Just for the benefit of the listeners, uh, we have tried this interview once. We recorded for close on an hour and a half last night, didn't we, over Skype? Um, But for some reason, um, although my voice was okay, you sounded a bit like a Dalek (laughs) on acid. That's the best description I can say. (laughs) I'm not saying that's how you normally sound, Dan. You sound perfectly normal. Oh, that's good. Whether it's something you've been drinking yeah, or I don't know. I don't know what goes on down yeah. in Worcester. What goes well, on in Worcester? paint fumes have affected my voice. <laughs> there you go, yeah. mate. There you go. Uh, right. So hopefully we are going to touch all the wood that we can yeah. find and uh, kiss all, all our Indeed. lucky charms and pray to the gods <laughs> that uh, tonight this shall go okay because it is sounding perfect in my Excellent. House. So, Dan. Let's go through. Let's uh, we there's we've got quite a bit yeah. to talk about because um 
your name uh, is quite well known in the six mil and the smaller scale community through various uh, outlets such as Joy of Six and through um, your painting yeah. service, uh, Ravalli, uh, which we'll get on to talk about shortly. But I just wonder if you can have a bit of a hobby bio. What's your hobby and gaming background? Well, um, this is probably where I'll I'll show my age and any anybody listening will, uh, around the same age as me will, will probably uh, think, oh, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what I did as well. I think it's quite a common thing. Well, I think I'm a bit older than you, Dan. I think I think yeah. I'm a little yeah. bit older than you, but uh, yeah, it, it, what you're about to say will probably age. Yeah, I'm both sure it of will. Us. I mean, it's, it's, first off, really, um, it is a tale of obsession, really, um, to a degree. <laughs> I, I, I didn't really realise just to, to what degree that sort of obsession had run until I. Uh, my other mates come around who are not into the, the war gaming or, or military history or painting little soldiers, and uh, I'll show them. I'll show them the the war room. We'll get onto that in a bit, I'm sure. And uh, and it's only when I show I show a lay person like that and and see their face when I open it up, just this sort of scale of the thing, and how many I've got. I, I suddenly realise that yeah, it yeah. I've taken it to a, <laughs> a level that's that's probably not normal. But then they, they then they've probably got golf clubs or fishing uh, equipment, haven't they? But you know, it's not no that's near right. as So I mean, yeah, I'm 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 trying to sort of push the limits of the six mil thing. But I mean, I started off um, like most you know folk in the late seventies. I was uh, as a grown up. I got into the Airfix, Airfix soldiers, and uh, I happened to be to be born just outside Nottingham, actually in Mansfield, Eureka um, Duck, as they say down there. But I mean, that was right in the right in the heart of the, the sort of lead belt, and uh, it just seems that that's you know where the whole sort of gaming and and uh, things start from. So you know that I was bound to get into it really. Um, and and it was yeah. probably the the history that I was most interested in from a very young age, and uh, and just reading about military history and battles, and uh, you know I watched films like Zulu and Waterloo and Khartoum and all these all these old classics, and uh, I'm fascinated by them, and just thought, oh, you know, I want to. I want to set those up. I want to get some soldiers. So I, I went, uh, I went down to the old uh, model shop in Mansfield, which was called Morton's Models, and it was uh, all sort of dark and dusty. And uh, the guy there, I presume Mr. Morton, um, he was there with his pipe. He always had a, a pipe, so it had this sort of smell about the, the thing. And it, I'm sure if I smelt a pipe now, it'd take me straight back. To that model shop, and uh, it's sad because you don't get you don't get model shops yeah. like that anymore. Yeah, they're they're, they're few and far between, um, which is a shame. Anyway, that was you know at the time that's what I did, and I got into all the. Uh, I started off on the sort of the bigger, the one I think one thirty fifth scale, I think it is. 
and uh, I got into those and I, I bought a pack of Germans because I thought they looked cooler, their uniforms. And uh, and after that, I, I, the obsession started. I had to have a, a box of each type, you know, and then two boxes. And I'd set these up in uh, in the lounge, much to mum's annoyance, I'm sure. And uh, and then after a while, I, I I noticed that they had a smaller scale. So I, even even right back then, I was uh, I was get I was I was you know tending towards a small small side. So I uh, I got into the the HO stuff then and all the sort of Waterloo Waterloo farm set and uh, that came with about six boxes and I got all excited about that. In fact, Waterloo really I've I've, I've been interested in and for some reason uh, since the age of about five or six I've got no idea why, but uh, I went home. A couple of years ago, I was up in the loft looking through some old things that mum had kept, and I found an old, a little old holiday sort of booklet that you took to school and junior school. And uh, I looked through there about what I'd done in the holidays, and I'd, I'd put a little statement in there about, you know, oh, played Waterloo, and I was only about six. So for some reason, I've, I've always had this. Uh, obsession with that battle anyway i got into that the airfix thing like everybody else and uh started painting them had a little go at painting with a humbrol paints and uh and from then on really that's you know the, the, the plastic that's how it all started uh like most you know like most folk and that, that i remember getting the the desert fort as well. Um, yes, the foreign legionnaires. The foreign they legionnaires, were, yeah. yeah, I think they were blue, and the and the the Arabs were were yellow. I can remember that, you know, and I can still remember the little position, the poses they were in. And I try and paint them with me, uh, with me uh, enamel paints, but of course they all bent and it all cracked off. And I want undercoating in them days, and I want varnishing. I want doing any of that. I just got. A, a little tin of brown I painted the rifles and a little tin of white that I painted the tops of the hats with. And uh, I thought, these look great, you know. <laughs> um, and about, so uh, as I got a bit old, about 10 or 11, there was another obsession came in as well. It's all about obsessions, really. It's kind of all or nothing. And uh, we're at junior school with my mate, um, Robert Lane, actually who uh, I'd lost touch with. But when we talked yesterday, you, you said, oh, yeah, you, you knew Rob. Uh, you come in contact with him. Of course, he had Malstru uh, He went on to have uh, Maelstrom Games and uh, I think it's Mercia Miniatures he now does. That's right. I played I played a little bit of Warhammer Battle back in the day. And he was yeah, he was, he, was, uh, he was really into the Warhammer. I mean, uh, we used to play it... We, I don't think how old we were, 14 or what have you, we got into it and uh, we'd set it up in, on a spare bed in, in the spare bedroom, you know, on a little board and we'd have these games and I'd sort of play along and do it. But I mean, Rob was always keen and a stickler for the rules and uh, he went on to that and he went into and he did tournaments and I 
went down a different route really and I went into the more historical side of things but we, we always had this sort of um uh, background and that that sort of uh set a seed when I was about 11 when I, when the teacher read it to us and uh and then we got into the games workshop sort of stuff um you know every everybody we speak to how did you get into wargaming um they all talk about yeah you know we, games workshop games workshop it's on the high street it's one everybody knows and uh it gets a bit of a slamming i think i think there's a a bit of a prejudice front when when people get older you know these older guys now they've gone into the historical they look down at fantasy and they go oh yeah games workshop you know we all know that it the way they release games that being said that you know they get a lot of people into it it's the first sort of thing it's just then educating these kids that there's there's other things you know there's other other figures out there i mean i do i do like going into games workshop now and again i get the uh one of their it's it's like an ink wash a brown ink wash and i, I literally when i discovered it i just use it all the time that's great but uh, every time I go in there, the uh, you know the guy in the shop, the salesperson, he'll come up and he'll be all excited and you know ask me what I'm working on, what sort of games workshop thing I'm working on, and I was just like watching his face when I say you know I'm doing six mil Zulu war or something like that, and uh, he'll blanch and he won't know what to say because obviously they've all been told that they can only talk about games workshop, nothing else out there. To, uh, to look at so yeah I still go in now and again I mean before before Games Workshop we there was a again it's I was just happened to be in the right place in Mansfield they had a a little shop Citadel Citadel Games it was called as was and it was right at the start of it really and um, I remember going in I was a little bit older then and uh but I still felt a bit out of place because you know there were all these guys uh, in there, and there's some beautiful figures in the in the window that they painted. Um, figures that I've I've recently, when I did a Lord of the Rings project, I might talk about that in a bit. But I went back and found some of the old stuff on eBay and painted up again because I I looked in the window at these in the display cabinets and, and sort of drooled over them, and then uh, consequently, yeah, I've, I've gone back and bought them. And, painted about myself which is fine but it also in that yeah also in that uh, around that sort of time looking through the the magazines miniature war games and things like that um i saw an advert for tabletop games which was on uh mansfield road anyway on the way into to nottingham so that was a little drive so uh, i think dad gave me a lift the first time i went I want old enough to drive. Anyway, I, I got in this shop and it was like an Aladdin's cave, really. Um, because this is where the big boys were, you know. We had some, we had some 15 mil, uh, the tabletop games range, which I fell in love with as soon as I saw them. Really, they were little, quite chunky little figures, um, but I like I like the look of them. And they had all sorts of ranges. I got into, I was obviously obsessed with with Waterloo, so I. I went for yet another scale and painted a few of those up. And they also had the old Asgard range of um, fantasy figures, 25 mil, as was then, before the 28 and the 30, whatever it is now. 
and uh, I loved all those, you know, the, the sort of jazz, jazz Goodwin, uh, Orcs are still my favourite line of figures, really. They, they were brilliant. So yeah, I got I got into the uh, into the fifteen mil metal, got rid of plastic, and then never went back to that really. And so I painted, yeah, I got into some of that fifteen mil, um, and started going to a few of the the shows around um, Derby, the Worlds was one I went to then back then. At the assembly rooms, wasn't it back in the day? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, again, you know, it wasn't a, it was quite an imposing thing, really, when when you're a young kid and you go to these shows and there's uh, lots of older chaps around looking very serious, looking at charts and and, and rolling the dice, and uh, I was sort of on the on the edge of things, and I, and there wasn't particularly forthcoming in. I think that's changed a lot, actually. I mean, thinking about that, them shows back in the early eighties was a very closed sort of shop and if you went you want in the ink you you weren't part of it and there were none of this i mean you go to a show now they've all got these banners up and there's lots of print you know it's all looks quite professional and and, and there's a few few of them there. there's still a few who just you know get on with their own game and don't really talk to anybody but there's a lot of people now who are, who are trying to get you in and, and take part in that game it's a lot i think it's a lot friendly <laughs> It's definitely fewer, isn't it? I think this. Um, I, th- I think I talked about it in the last episode that these games where players turn the backs to the cust- to the bystanders. I think I, I never understand it, but it's definitely fewer, and I think people are far more practiced at being able to talk to the people. Yeah. And-, and I mean, these were all twenty-five mil games, really. Um, I can't remember seeing any six mil games back then. But uh, I just remember this, the sort of the sweep of the battlefield, all these figures on there, and I thought, oh, yeah, I, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to aim for, you know. Um, set set your, your sights high yeah. sort of thing. And uh, I think we were talking, weren't we, about looking at all those old Peter Gilder, the Sudan stuff uh, in, the, in the magazines back then, and I used to look at those and think, oh, you know, I love I'll have some of those. And I, I bought a few of the 25, but, you know, when you got your, whatever it was, £2.50 pocket money at that time, you couldn't really buy many of those. And so I couldn't, I couldn't really realise the the vision I had about, you know, getting up, getting all these all these figures on the table. And it, it was in a show. I still can't. I'm mean, trying to wrap my brain where this show was. But anyway, I went to a particular show and uh, there were some lovely little resin buildings, and I remember the name of the the company. It's called Jenna Enterprises. And I haven't seen any of those. I hadn't seen any of those for well thirty odd years, whatever it was, since I bought them there. And then only uh, last week on eBay, somebody was selling selling off an old collection, and they had the very same sort of Hougamont and the High Santi from the Waterloo set. And this was at six mil. So this is the first time I'd seen something this small. And I thought, oh, now I could probably fit uh, fit that on a on a six before board that I had on the spare bed at the time. And I thought I could uh, I could do Waterloo at, at last, make it look at you know like a battle almost. Uh, and at that stage, I hadn't seen any of the figures. And at the same show, uh, that was when I first. 
saw uh, Leon Leon Locke's Adler range, and I fell in love with that as soon as I saw those lovely little chunky sculpts. Which uh, I just it's just a joy to paint with really, as a figure painter. Um, they really are, but I mean at the time I, I couldn't paint them very well, but I had a go, and that was it. Since then, I've dabbled in, yeah. you know, I've painted up all the scales from two mil from irregular. I got some two mil blocks again, Waterloo, you know, <laughs> the obsession I had to do it in every scale. Like I'm sure a lot of gamers do, you know, they get fixated on. Anyway, I'd, I'd, once I saw these Adlers, I uh, I thought, no, six six is the way forward. That's what I, that's what I want to do, and that's when I, uh, yeah, that's when I started. Painting up a, a nine-year project of uh, of Waterloo, um, and that's that's how I got into the six really. And then f ever since then, um, it's been the scale that I've I've enjoyed. Um, but I've not gamed a lot, so you know the the military history was the start of it all, and I'd uh, I'd I'd get the introductory offers from. Military and Aviation Book Club and buy four books for 50p each, whatever it was, and then uh, buy the required four books um, for that, you know, for the next year. But I'd get them that first week, and then I'd cancel the uh, the thing and and wait the six months until I could join again, and then buy another another four and and so on. So you know, get the really expensive ones when they're in quid each. Yeah, so the library broke up. So, so the the the, uh, the history was always what what set me off, and then just the painting and the modelling and the, that side of the hobby I, I liked and still really really enjoy. And the gaming really after the after the uh, the it must you know I lost every time to Rob Lane because as you know he's he was very <laughs> very good at Warhammer and I. And I got, I got a bit, you know, oh, it's not really for me the gaming thing, and it won't. I didn't think it was very. I went off to you, you know, got old and went to you. It wasn't the thing to do, but I kept up the painting. Uh, but the gaming side of things, the ones I'd tried, it was all about, you know, endless charts, looking at tables. Um, it did. It just sapped all the fun out of it, and I wanted to do big battle you know we're going into the minutiae of 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 everything to do with say napoleonic you know what what range was a musket or if it had a rifle or you know what's the difference between a, a light cavalry a medium cavalry a dragoon a heavy cavalry you know and, and all this lot which if you were doing a skirmish i guess would be fine but i wanted to do big battles you know with like 200 200 units basically 100 Yes. 100 units a side sort of thing. I, need, I needed something fast. So I, I didn't really game for many, many, many years. And people <laughs> say, what you do? You know, you got all these figures. I paint all these figures up. And then uh, I'd end up just putting them away and storing them in a box. Never had a game with them. And uh, people say, why don't, why don't you use these? And I thought, oh, well, I've never really found a game that I like. Uh, and it was ooh, a long, long time later when I went to. Uh, I'd got into. If you, you know, anybody's seen my uh, Facebook page, um, will see that I'm a, a big advocate for the uh, hex gaming. 
Hexon. Um, again, that, I guess that went back to the sort of Napoleon's last battles, those sort of games in a box with the little hex grids and the, the, the cardboard counters. I liked all that. So I, I'd seen the hexes in that respect, but then I'd, I'd discovered um, Callistra's Hexon. And I thought, oh, I'll give that a go. And I got a few. And uh, I went to this open day. I'm rambling on. What I meant to say is I'm, I'm going to this open day that Calistria put on. Paul Calistria invited me down. He'd seen I'd done a, you know, a bit of stuff with his terrain. And he said, oh, come down. We're having a, an open day. And we're going to have a massive sort of game of uh, Hastings. It was Battle of Hastings. Another one that I've always wanted to do. So I thought, oh, I'll go down here. And uh, they had a sort of Warmaster tournament on as well. With Rick Priestley were there and a, a few others. But I wasn't really into that. I'd had enough of that sort of games workshop. Anyway, I, I gave this uh, Hordes and Heroes was the rules they were, they were using, the ones that Paul had developed. And uh, it was really quick. Um, the hexes meant that there was no sort of measuring, no tape, you didn't need a tape measure. A really clever little combat sort of chart that took in uh, things like the, the class of the troops, the morale of the troops, the number of casualties you got, all in one little chart. You didn't have to write anything down, no record keeping. Uh, and it went really fast and smooth. And I thought, oh, there's a, now there's a game I like. So... I got back into gaming, and and on the back of that, I went back to the uh, sort of the f one of the first obsessions of Tolkien and the Hobbit, and I'd obviously read everything then after that when I was after having the Hobbit read, uh, Lord of the Rings and all that, and I and I thought to myself, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do uh, I'll do the Lord of the Rings and I'll do it big, I'll do every sort of battle in the third age and uh, i'll use i'll adapt these rules for it so i just changed a few of the stats basically um it's a it's a sort of medieval uh, for those who haven't played it it's, it's like a there's two versions the fantasy version um and there's a medieval version and the fantasy one's got a bit of magic in it, and i want really into that i wanted a, a tolkien type uh, game so i went with a the medieval version and then just put in some stats for the Lord of the Rings and away we went. And so, yeah, so I've, I've, I've come full circle and gone, got back into gaming again, which is nice. And uh, I've been chatting on for about 20, 20 odd minutes. There, so I'll, that's my gaming bio <laughs> in a nutshell. Uh, mate, the uh, people listen to this, these episodes to hear the guests, not my voice. So don't you worry about chatting on for 20 odd minutes that's fascinating <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating the um yeah i think that lord of the rings game uh is what when you first came to my attention uh actually followed on one of the facebook pages whether it was your own yeah uh, it probably page it or... probably was yeah i mean um i took that i'd i'd, I'd spoken to to paul and uh he of course, he started off the uh, the Hammerhead uh, show, um, same venue as uh, Partisan are now at as well, which is great, and uh, in Newark. So it wasn't far from um, my family home back in Mansfield. So I decided I was gonna I was gonna put a game on at a show, 
and uh, I was going to put a, a 10 mil 10 mil game of uh, Lord of the Rings on and uh, and so that's what I'm using these adapted rules and that's what we did and uh, I think it uh, yeah I mean it really it really struck a chord with uh, a lot of people there at that show I got a lot of feedback from that so the young kids were uh, really into it they'd seen all the films you know the lord of the rings films and they were asking me little questions about well why is that like this and why is that like that and it was like well you've seen the you've seen the film you know read the book because that's basically what i based based it all on i tried to stick close to the book as i could and dan from um war games illustrated uh took some snaps and uh caught his eye and then we a few few months ago now, uh, we we got a feature in yeah, got a big feature in the in the in the glossy mags, so that was nice. Yeah, definitely did see it in there, and it, it's nice. This is probably a thing we'll come back to a bit later, but to see something other than the twenty eight mil in the magazine, and I know, I know there's issues around photography etc., but uh, to see something under twenty eight mil featured heavily in the magazines was great. And also that Lord of the Rings game, I think was interesting because, um, because of the, the Hexon train and the yeah. Hexon's rules, but also that it, it wasn't slavish to the movies. It was. And I had to, I had to be really conscious of that because I'd seen the films. I love the films. They're great, you know, um, but nothing compared to the book. Obviously. And, and, and because it's in there, when it, I'm thinking, oh yeah, no, uh, I'll do the film version. Of course, the the Games Workshop, um, Lord of the Rings game is all based on the film, of course. So there's a whole generation who've just grown up with that sort of game and the film, and so I yeah, purposely stuck to the book. So I I got an old copy, one of my old copies of the, the Lord of the Rings and the the Hobbit, and I went through with a highlighter pen, and every time I came to a a sentence or a chapter or a you know a little passage where he described uh, what somebody was wearing the sort of uh, armor what colors there were the banner or you know uh, any description of the the battlefields and i mean talking you know he, he went into such detail with that and great description it really helped and uh, and although it wasn't historical which is what i'm you know i was into i uh, He's got such a rich history and backstory to it all. You know, it's uh, it's just like reading a history book, really. Although, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not deluded. I know it's not real. <laughs> um, I know it's I know it's fancy, really. But but you know, you do you you do get lost in that. And uh, so yeah, I, I took it to the nth degree and uh, and used. T- I mean, I, I, it's a slippery slope. I know. Uh, and, I, and I did use ten mil. Listen, no. We're- um, it is a six mil podcast, but I am not adverse to talking about anything smaller than fifteen mil. There was <laughs> a simple reason uh, I went for ten at the time because there wasn't really any uh, suitable ranges. There was there was starting to come through in six mil. Um, you know, I know Peter. When you talked to Peter uh, in an earlier podcast, he was talking about his fantasy range because I know he gets pestered all the time. When are you going to do a fantasy range? When are you? Gonna... And of course, it was his son pestering him. Why he did those sort of goblin, just a few little ones he did, but that, you know that's not a Tolkien-esque look. So there wasn't any of that really. 
And uh, so I thought, well, I'll have a look at 10 mil. And at about the same time as I was planning this, I mean, it's after a while these projects, you know, the research and the and the, the planning it, and then the finding the right miniatures. Um, Mark Copplestone of Copplestone Casting, they did a lot of work for you know, uh, he's one of those sculptors that I just loved really, and he did a, a range of uh, ten mil. And basically, although he, you know, it was the, not not the Lord of the Rings for uh, obvious reasons. You know, he didn't want to get involved with all the getting sued by the Tolkien people. So he called, yeah. you know, he called it something else cleverly. Yeah. But to all intents and purposes, you know, it is the it's the Lord of the Range, uh, Lord of the Rings yeah. range, and they're beautiful little figures. Really, I just had to get some of those. Yeah. I painted a few of those up. Uh, some of the sort of horsemen and uh, basically the Rowan, and they had all the little, you know, Gandalf and the, the, the characters. And there was just, you could still get that sort of detail for those characters because it's a bit more character based uh, than you could at six mil at the time. So I went with a 10, and uh, yeah, and it was a, again at that show when, when people saw that, uh, all the kids they were like, oh, I didn't realize, you know, they did it in this scale. They just thought it was 25 mil, and uh, so that was an eye at my phone. And and they and they come along with their dads, and their dads had spot the uh, the older sort of figures I'd use because with it being fantasy, you know, I could use a uh, a goblin, old uh, sort of Ralph Partha goblin as a troll, basically in 10 mil. So uh, I had all sorts of little. Uh, yeah. Yeah, old figures in for the uh, for, for my generation to have a... for the dads to uh, swoon over. Yes, <laughs> well, the the Lord of the Rings is uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, of the Tolkien stuff, absolutely. And and you're right, the, the movies are great. I don't I don't hold with this um, this train of thought that the movies were a disservice to the books. I, I think in of themselves they were great and as as good as anybody could have done. I mean, there was nine or ten hours of, of film there, and then you got the Hobbit, which again is another discussion. But it was it was set in the in Middle Earth, and so yeah. I mean, before that, we you know we all, all we'd had is the the Ralph Bashki sort of uh, you know the, the sort of cartoony one, which I love as well actually. And that, I mean that followed the book quite closely, but uh, you know it's been a long time. Yeah. A lot of that's on YouTube as well. A lot of that's still on YouTube, the Ralph Bakshi one. And I did watch it again not too long ago, and uh, it brought back, brought back many happy memories. That was played with the uh, the Callistra rules. I think they're free from their website, aren't they? They are, yes. Yeah, they've got um, – you can just download those, basically. So that's what I did, and uh, we'd worked on it. And, I'd, again, um, I mean, Paul is based – that Paul from Callistra is based literally 10 minutes from mum and dad's again. So when I go home and uh, visit my folks, I'll nip over to uh, the Callistra HQ and uh, we've had some great games there and we've sort of tried out different um, different rules. Tony, another guy who's into into that and it's a similar thing as me. He's got the same ideas about, you know, gaming and, and how, he, how he wants to play it out. And so we, 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 thrashed out some of those 
try them out and uh, tweaked a little bit. And uh, yeah, we had great fun with that. But yeah, they're all free. They're free. The hex, the uh, the hex base rules that they do. Did you yeah. manage to play the game to a conclusion on the day? No, because far too many people just kept coming up saying, "Is that is that an old Citadel giant?" You know, and uh, oh, why is why is the uh, why is the first wall of the uh, Minas Tirith black and not white like in the film? And yeah, so it's great. I mean, that's what that's what I do the shows for, really, because. You know, I spend an awful lot of time, most of the time, reading about it, you know, researching. Spend an awful lot of time, uh, far too much time, in partner will tell you, painting, um, which is why I get up at the crack of dawn and, <laughs> uh, and do most of it then. Um, and so the game inside, you know, just being around a lot of people, it's great at a show because it gives you a chance to... Uh, to show what to show off what you've done and draw people in and talk about it, you know, and and meet meet lots of other people, which is great. And it's a, you know, you, you see the similar faces. It's a small sort of, uh, you know, it's a niche, isn't it? It's a real small community, isn't it? You know, because we're often spread quite far and wide, but you get to some of these shows, and certainly for me, if I go to Partizan, then. Every half an hour, I'm stopping and chatting to somebody who I've not seen for ages, and it's not just about going and buying the toy soldiers or looking at the eye candy. There's the social element as well. So, um, at some point, then, Dan, um, you developed into a professional painter. I did, I did, and that was a again, that was a slow sort of um, it was a slow process, really. Um, I, you know, like like most people, I'd started off, like I say, with the, the old Humbrol enamels and uh, slapping some paint on, and uh, and that went on and on. And, and but you know, I've been slapping paint on for forty years now. So um, I remember now the, the the chap's name, Malcolm Gladwell, it was who uh, came out with that sort of. You do ten thousand hours at something, you'll you know you'll have a skill there. So. I don't know how many. I dread to think how many hours I've I've spent at a painting desk, but it's a lot more than ten thousand. So, yeah, you know, it's it's just one of those happy accidents. You you get good at something when you you do it so much. So, I'd um, I I mean, the first figures I ever sort of sold that I'd painted was when I was about fourteen. So I'd painted these tabletop games 15 mil napoleonics i'd done waterloo only some tiny little units but i'd done all the units and i took them to derby and the big bring them by and uh and yeah sold them all i think 250 quid i think it was which uh somebody got a bargain but for me at that time that was like you know oh that's my hobby fun yes it's great so i thought this is it i've uh found my way in life i'm just going to paint soldiers and make a fortune and uh <laughs> soon realized that no no nobody's going to make a fortune out of painting figures <laughs> but it's it's a nice thing to do and i'm in a nice position really with the whole painting now um because it's it's very much a part-time sort of hobby thing you know i've got a full-time job um 
And so for me at the minute, it's not a case of having to pay the mortgage, you know, having to paint uh, what it's X amount and what have you. So it's it's nice. It's just it's on a back burner, really. Is is I mean, I had a guy called Tim again, uh, two doors up from where I lived. It seems that like everybody's living on the same street as me, um, and he's he's <laughs> he's uh, like a stone wall. Uh, group that that who put on the massive, you know, spectacular games. Twenty five mil. They've done all sorts. Of, they're a big name around the shows. And uh, when I, you know, he'd, he'd seen some work I'd done. He said, "Oh, can I can I paint up some of them?" So I ended up painting some English Civil War they were doing at the time. Some foundry figures. And uh, yeah, I, I I just took on a, a couple of sort of commissions really like that and. And it's it grew from there, and I thought, well, it's nice, you know, if you can make a bit of pocket money from uh, from your hobby, that's a nice thing to do. So I'd I'd get, you know, a mate would come or, oh, can I paint for you? And then it'd get around, and then I suppose I thought to myself, oh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll get a website. I think what I'll do. That's what everybody's doing these days. I'll get a website, but you know, I clueless about that but thankfully uh, I've got a cousin who was a web designer and uh, so he made me a little uh, website and uh, came up with a name Rivali because like I say I did most of the painting at four o'clock in the morning um, before I had to get to work and so we had this website but uh, you know and then I, I suddenly realized that having a website is one thing but who, who knows it's there really <laughs> You know, so there wasn't a lot of traffic on it, yeah. and it, I sort of let it slide, and other things took over as they do in life, and I forgot about that really, until a few years later, and then I, I thought, oh, I know what I'll do, I'll, uh, I'll try me hand at Facebook. Everybody's going on about this Facebook business, and I wasn't on it. I've got no, <laughs> no uh, footprint at all in that sort of thing. But I thought, well, I'll just I'll put up a page, and I'll uh, I, I can just about you know download some post some pictures on there. I can take some photos of me me figures, and I'll put a load of pictures on. And this is how technically unfamiliar I am. So I, I thought to myself, right, I've got you know two or three years worth of painting here. I've got like five hundred photos. I'm going to whack them all on, put them in some albums. Uh, and I'll I'll see you know what happens basically, so I did that. I put them all on, and uh, just silence, nothing. You know, you can imagine that you know the little tumbleweed just. I'm thinking, oh dear, maybe maybe I can't paint. You know, maybe maybe I'm deluding myself. People aren't interested. They're not. You know, nobody's not one sort of response. Uh, and it was, it was only about two months, two months later, uh, without nothing, no, no word, that uh, somebody pointed out the little symbol um, on each of my albums, the padlock symbol, which I hadn't noticed. And I'd just been sharing all these pictures with myself and nobody else could see them. So nobody commented. So I, uh, I switched it to the little globe and then it just yeah it went 
it all kept coming in. Bing, 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 bing. It was great. And uh, and since that's about four years ago. So it's it's you know it's snowballed. It's uh, it's I don't advertise anywhere, and I don't you know I'm not I'm not in any of the magazines. I don't offer you know this painting service. It's all word of mouth basically, and people get to know and they'll contact me. From the very start, I decided that. I mean, I I always I wanted six mil. I like painting six mil. I'd done all the other scales in the past, but I'd found my scale, and I thought, well, you know, there's a lot of painters out there. Um, I'll I'll just specialise in six mil basically. So that's what I did, uh, hoping to you know sort of make a little name for myself in that niche of a niche in the six mil and the smaller scale. So that's basically what I did, and. Uh, I think you know now. Uh, we're on to two, almost two and a half thousand people on on the Rivali site now, which is great, and uh, it just get a lot of feedback. You know, lots of questions. Uh, it's really nice chatting to uh, to people all over the world as well, of course, which is great. I mean, I've sent out figures, painted figures. I had a, a map when I first started, but up on the wall in Miss my little studio I had a world map and every time somebody I did a commission and I sent it somewhere you know I'd uh, put a little pin in the map and uh yeah it's, it's gone everywhere now to Australia to Saudi Arabia uh, Andorra um all over the, Italy France you know all over really um which is great it's going well it's nice and I can I can uh, pick and choose, really. You know, if somebody sends, gives me an idea, do you want to do this? If it's something I'm not done before, you know, I'll think, oh, I'll give that a go. Or if it doesn't interest me, I'll say, well, I'm probably not your best man for that and point them out somewhere else because, you know, you get to know the other painters in these little um, groups, you know, six mil groups on Facebook. Uh, it's like I say, it's a small little community and you pass on that and... Uh, and ones that I, th- I like the sound of, I, I do. I was I was wondering a little bit about that, Dan, because um, in the research for this interview, I was looking through the Rivali Facebook page, just looking for a contact or a, a price list. No, you won't. No, no, they'll they'll just message me, and uh, you know we'll take it from there. I've, you know, I've done I've done all sorts of orders. I've done just from a couple of you know couple of units, sort of to whole armies. You know, you've got to factor that in with a price, really. And so I don't do a set a set price, but I also don't do some painting services that will have a, a war game standard and then a display standard, a professional. You know, I just I just try and do it as good as I can or all of it, you know. There's no war game standard for me. It's like, you're going to paint it, then let's do it as good as you can. And are you still taking painting commissions? Uh, yes, I am, yeah. I'd actually, I just had five months off from the from the painting desk, forced absence, really. I didn't, it's not a choice thing, but my partner wasn't not, not well. And you know what it's like, life gets, uh, and you just think, you know, there's more important things at times. So uh, I had to put it on a back burner. I had a couple of commissions outstanding, but they're very, the, the ones I'd, I've done before for them, so they knew me and uh, I explained the situation. They've been very patient. And, uh, yes, yeah, September the 1st, I got the the brushes out. We had the all clear and partners well again. And so, uh, yeah, 
we were I was back on the uh, back to posting up on Facebook and painting again. So it's good to get back to it. I take it you get a, a whole range of manufacturers and peers. Yeah, and... I do. I, I do. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, because you've got, you know, you do have favourites. I like the the little chunkier figures, really. So even within the sort of Bacchus company, they'll have different sculptors for different ranges. So some of the ranges will have the the sort of skinnier look to them. And uh, certain ranges, the Colonial one, for instance, one of my favourite ranges, is what I term the sort of chunky figures. And they're the ones I really enjoy painting because you just get a bit more detail on there. You know, so they're the Bacchus mm-hmm. ones, yeah, and the and Adler are uh, favourites of mine. I mean, I, I'm still to find a horse, a six mil horse, better than Leon Locke's sculpts. They're beautiful little uh, horses there. But each, you know, each company's got the the, the pros and their uh, and their benefits. And uh, some people they'll they'll send me really detailed you know to the nth degree of what they want where they want them positioning on the base send me exact colors they want you know sometimes what paints and so it's a it's a negotiation thing you know it's nice in a way because that makes life pretty straightforward you know what you're doing but on the other hand then you know you've got to be (laughs) on the ball because they're so specific with what they want all their orders come in and they'll just say i've seen your work I like what you've done. Can you just do me some six mil buildings, you know, um, and do, yeah. go to town on it? And that, that's nice as well because then you can just sort of think, great, you know, I'll uh, I'll have a go at these. I mean, I had a, an interesting commission last year from uh, head of strategic studies at Quantico. Actually, he was uh, wow. over in America and he was needed a table for the Marines, U.S. Marine Corps. So he um, he basically wanted a, a sort of he'd seen my hex on board and he liked the look of that and uh, he wanted to to use that for a sort of demonstration purposes. So he you know I did a sort of coastline and a and a river and some bridge crossings. It was like a, a cross between D Day and and Arnhem really. Uh, and he wanted a whole board. So that was great. That was that was fun to do. So you do scenery as well then? Yeah, actually, um, the scenery has been a I've done more of that than than figures of late, and I think that's part of a, a trend, really. That I think people are, are finally catching up on the fact that, especially with six mil terrain, is key. It's especially doing a doing a show like I do. You know, I mean, that, that basically all my projects, my own personal projects, I do I do with a view of taking to a show and putting on a participation game. So I'm not going just nipping down to the to a war game club and putting a cloth on and having a game it's it's the sort of like a, a three four year process of thinking about right what battle am i going to do in three years time and uh, start researching it and then start looking at the figures and then painting them and getting the terrain done and, and all that but terrain is is really taken off i think in six mil what you know when i first started 20 years ago there was uh, very little you had to scratch build and there was very little commercial buildings around and now we are spoiled for choice it's a good time you know we've got people like pete from total battle uh, miniatures which are 
superb little buildings and they i mean what hooked me into them again was the waterloo they do a, a reduced footprint for the for the waterloo buildings which you know the whole sort of round scale figure scale we won't get into that but that's always a, a big isn't it which what size buildings am i going to use i know a lot of people will use three mil buildings with six mil figures and all of that but I don't, I don't like the look of that personally, but yeah, so the total battle, and then you've got Steve Clay doing some lovely work with Battleground, and then uh, Mick from Levin, who is probably the nicest man on the war game circuit. <laughs> he's great, isn't he? And uh, he's got such a massive range, and it's grown all the time. He's great because you just ring him up. I was going to I wanted to do Gettysburg. So uh, that's going to be one of the future projects is uh, is Gettysburg. I'm hoping to do it on a similar sort of scale to my Waterloo one. Um, and I was getting the battlefield. I tend to oh, wow. get to do the battlefield before I start on all the figures. And uh, so I'd gone to, you know, Battleground, Total Battle, got all their American Civil War range, and uh, then went to Mick and said, oh, yeah, you've got some great stuff there. But I'm basically lacking a, a train station for Gettysburg because I want to do the whole three-day battle, or the whole thing. And uh, mm -hmm. he said, all oh, right, yeah, okay. And uh, he said, send me a picture. So I did a Google search, got three or four images of uh, the train station at Gettysburg, as was. And it's still there, but it was different, painted differently or what have you. Anyway, he, uh, a couple of months later, sent me a little email, said, yeah, there you go. I've done you a Gettysburg uh, Gettysburg Station, that's part of the, the range now. So, brilliant. You know, I've, actually, if you're listening to this, Mick, how are you getting on with Worcester Cathedral? <laughs> well, I might ask him that because he has agreed to come on the, on the, on the podcast <laughs> at some point in the near future. So it's funny. It, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm another project, uh, living, in, living in Worcester as I do now, uh, I've I passed through the the battlefield of uh, Poet Bridge and, and obviously the Siege of Worcester, the last uh, battle in, of the English Civil War, every day on my way to work. So I thought it's time, really. I uh, I did something. I've never done anything on the English Civil War, next to nothing about it, which is a shocking, really, because I'm, you know, I'm living in Worcester. And uh, so I started researching it and then had looked at some ranges, thinking, what am I going to do? And, and, and Pete's... Pete from back, I said, "Hold fire! Don't, don't go with the old, the old range as was, because he's reworking it all." So I waited on, and uh, I've been steadily just as they've, you know, released another pack, or I, I've just bought one of each of the packs so far, and they are perhaps one of the, uh, yeah, I think one of the best ranges in six mil out there at the minute. They are, I mean, it's his real baby as well, English Civil War, so he. He's lavished everything on this range, and they're they're superb little crafts. So I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, getting around to painting. I don't know when that will be when I've done these other projects. Doing the English Civil War and the Battle of Poet Bridge in Worcester. Yeah. So yeah. So Mick, if you're listening, get on with that cathedral because nobody else does it. <laughs> uh, with the buildings, you've you've touched on it there that in six mil the scenery and the buildings become that much more important don't they than in the large absolutely scale yeah because scene. you know you're walking past the these games and what have you you've got to catch their eye and the little six mil figures no matter how beautiful they're painted or not you know 
the first thing they see is the battlefield, you know, and if that's just a, you know, a piece of green cloth with a bit of felt for a for a river and a road, it's it's not got that same impact really as um, as a as a nice terrain, you know. Again, total battle, they always do a a lovely um, terrain, you know, at their their show sort of games, and uh, I think that's the that's the key really. I think that's what's been missing in the past for six mil is uh, is getting that scenery sorted. You know, railway modellers. I've never been into I've never been into railways, but you know, you can learn a lot from railway modellers. They've got that scenery down to a T. So I use a lot of their that sort of product. You know. So I think one of the other areas that you're known for, Dan, and again, where you've come onto my radar is through your games that you've put on at the Joy of Six over the years, pretty much from the beginning, I think, isn't it? I'm pretty certain I was at the first one, yeah. Put a game on uh, then. It was a... Uh, it's funny how it comes back round, but yeah, I put a I put a Zulu game on. I'd done Isndwana when Peter brought out the uh, the Bacchus range, the colonial figures. They were so sweet. I thought, oh, I've been waiting for that, you know, ever since I was eight and I'd watched Zulu. I'd had this image that I was and Zulu Dawn, you know, later on. Um, I thought, yeah, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do these battles at, uh, on a big on a, yeah, on a big scale. Um, and when that range came out, I thought, here we go, I'll I'll put a game on. I think that's probably the first game I put on at the Joy Six. And uh I got to know Pete by that stage, you know, and it was like, Yeah, you're gonna put I'll put a game on and uh, it went it went down well, yeah. And ever since, I've uh, that's always been the the one show that I've not missed each year, um, and I always try and get a uh, some sort of big game on there. Um, so I've done I've done the Zulu War, and I've done uh, Sudan, and I've done uh, uh, Star Wars as well. Actually, that was another obsession of mine. Growing up in the seventies. What, going to the cinema and seeing Star Wars, I was hooked. And uh, my favourite of those was uh, Empire Strikes Back. And my favourite scene from that was the opening scenes of the Battle of Hoth. And uh, yeah. I was surprised to, I think it was in somewhere like Smith's I was in, and I looked at and I saw this game called X-Wing. And I'd been out of the loop for a while. I didn't know about this. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And uh, it seemed to be six mil scale. So, you know, all of a sudden we had these X-Wings and what have you. And I thought, oh, we could do Echo Echo Base with these. And uh, I'd got the old Airfix snap, snap kits. Can you remember them? The old, uh, the old snap, snap. You didn't even need glue, yes. did you? Uh, snap kits of um, Echo, the, the Echo Base, basically, and, uh, and a Battle of Hoth with a couple of sets. And I'd picked a few of these. At eBay, uh, before they got ridiculous. I mean, I think they go for like hundred quid a pop now, but I managed to get them for twenty five, twenty five quid uh, a time, and uh, I and I had fun. Yeah, that was a real fun one to do because, again, I, you know, I'd done a lot of his, historical stuff, and I, I thought, well, everybody likes Star Wars, and maybe that will get the the younger generation involved because that's something else that's kind of an issue isn't it in the hobby is uh it's so many other things now for the yes. for the young folk to do what what what's going to make them get into gaming so much 
Um, and if it's something like, you know, a film like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars that they've seen, then all, all you know, power to that and maybe get them hooked and then, then turn them onto the history, you know. So I'd done that, yeah. I, I took that one to uh, the Joy of Six and did the Battle of Hoth. And that was that was great fun, getting all the the little bits together because there were no manufacturer per se who was making a game like that. So that was a, a entirely new game. And I don't know if you remember, you ever saw the um, now then what's the company that made them? There was a there was a Hoth game on on Hex on a Hex uh, grid. Yeah. I've got it, of course, and I, and I sort of loosely based uh, my game on that, but just instead of having you know cardboard cut cut out counters and a and a paper map, I'd I'd use the uh, on again and uh, get some three D models. So I got went into all the old toy shops, got on eBay, and found these micro machines that I'd had up in the loft and the attacks and everything just seemed to come together. It was all six mil, and I used some. Uh, proxy figures which is another thing about you know six mil which is great converting figures you can you can do it with it with a simple paint job really you don't have to you know, be doing too much yeah. kit bashing as they call it with a six mil figure you can you can paint uh, you can paint them up in a different way and there you go so i use some american civil war union troops for the hoth rebels in six mil, they worked really well, and some uh, similar sort of sci-fi, the old uh, darkest star range of uh, they look like stormtroopers, you know, snowtroopers. When I painted them up, you get away with it at six mil. So it was fun. It was great. Were they out? Yeah, the old Adler range. He sold that now. Um, his sci-fi range to uh, a company over in America called Darkest Star Games. So you can still get them. And they're they're again, you know, they're great little figures. They are right, and uh, so they're still available, but they're over in the states now. Uh, so yeah, I used I, I brought all that sort of strings together and uh, made up a made up a game. And uh, it's funny because Pete, Peter, he he loved it, and he's he said, "Oh, can you this year?" He said, "Can you bring that Star Wars uh, game again?" Do you think? I think it's about three years ago when I first did it, three or four years. And I said, oh, actually, I've, you know, I'd sold it all pretty much after the show. Yeah. Uh, some chap in America had seen it and uh, I sold it all and shipped it off to the States. So I uh, <laughs> I said, yeah, I can do. And uh, so I had to go around and, and do it all again, which has been the, which has been the story, actually, of I, I, I do this. I I paint, I, I'll, I'll think, right, I'll do the Zulu War. So I did that Zulu War. And then after after that show, I I sold them all, uh, which I regretted instantly, <laughs> actually. And uh, but you know that's the way I I finance the next project basically. So I'd 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 get into something, I'd do it, I'd paint it, I'd sell it on, and then I'd get on to the next project. Uh, simply for the fact that a I you know. I couldn't afford to keep them all, really. And B, I had no, I had nowhere to store them at all. Um, and Joy Six has been, has been great, you know, because that's obviously the sh- in the showcase uh, for Six Mil. So I'm all behind that, and uh, it's amazing how it's grown, really, from that first show. I forget how many people were there. Not many. I think most of the people there 
were people like myself who were just coming along and been asked to put on a game and uh, you know and that was it but it's it's grown every year and uh, definitely time for the six mil to uh, to shine now and that's that's a brilliant platform for that basically yeah you know and i think people i think people that know that it's going to be a six mil game so these six mil gamers who perhaps a little reluctant to put a game on at partisan or one of the other big bigger shows uh for, for whatever reason that is um they, they'll they'll be a bit more confident about putting a game on at the joy six so it's great you know if that's what gets them into i know uh you were talking to uh and he's uh he, he sort of did a did his first game there at the joy six as well and each year he's brought back a bigger and better game and uh it's been great to see how that his great northern war thing sort of uh grown he's a great character he's yeah. <laughs> he of course he was on yeah you've had a podcast with him haven't you yeah yes yeah and I, I had great fun chatting to pair he certainly knows his stuff he does, uh, he does. The, the but he yeah, you know he's yeah he's got that uh he's cottoned on to that sort of scenery he's in, in key as well you know his games always look great uh and catch the eye because you know he's 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 gone to town on the on the modeling side of things i mean i think i think that's you know the mo- modeling side of thing actually old school modeling is I don't know, there's many people doing it. I don't think they are. I think people just want a, a battle in a, in a box that's ready-made that they can just get out. And this is why, you know, sort of painting service I do in the scenery has been quite popular because people, they, they haven't got the time or the patience to do, you know, to do that. They're not come from a, some of them are not come from a sort of modelling background, I guess. They come from a board game and then they're taking it to the next level and having a war game with it. But, I think you may have mentioned this last night actually but i'll talk about it now that people will spend hundreds of pounds on figures they'll spend they'll either spend money getting them painted or spend hundreds of hours painting the figures and then slap them down on a six by four bit of green felt uh with a cr- couple of crappy trees and uh, any old building that they found uh in the train box and and have a game and you know, if that if people are happy with that, that's absolutely fine. But it's it for me, it detracts a little bit from those beautifully painted figures. Uh, you've got to have the whole thing, haven't you? If you're going to do the demo games, you're going to show it off. Um, and that's where six mil comes in, I think, because people do generally put in a lot more effort, I think, on the scenery front in general. I may be generalizing too I don't know, but example that I saw at uh, Partizan at the other party was a very large Roman and Carthaginian game on a printed terrain mat with no scenery at all. There may have been a tree or two on the on the flanks. I can't yeah. remember. And in fact, whatever battle they were recreating, yeah. I've no yeah. idea because uh, there's nothing telling me. But it may have been a, a very flat plane. But there was, there was nothing yeah. on there at all. It was a, it, They might as well have played on a snooker table. And they got some lovely painted figures, but they were moving them yeah. on movement trays that were just uh, bare MDF, which didn't look great. You know, you'd see that down at the club. That's not a problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah. as a demonstration game at Partizan, which prides itself on 
having these excellent games that are magazine quality, it just it made me think, well, I'd rather look at your game or Pear's game or Robert Dunlop's game or any of the games at the Joe Six than look at because what I'm looking at there is a game I'll see on my down my club every Friday night. I want to see something exceptional. Yeah, that's the that's the time to do it. Isn't it? If you can't do it, if you can't yeah, do it at a exactly. show, then when and are you going to do it? It does take know? time and effort, doesn't it? You know, the, yeah. Waterloo took you nine years, which is unbelievable. That's nearly as Napoleon was itself. I know. Yeah, I mean, it was on and off that project, but yeah, I mean, it it was it grew and grew and grew. When I first started it, when I looked at the order of battle. Uh, you know, you just look simple, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, I'll do that. 24 men in a battalion, that's great. And then you suddenly realise how many battalions there are. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you're French and then all your allies and then you're Prussian, you know. It just, it... Yeah, it is worth it. it. It's absolutely worth it because these are games that people will remember for many years. It isn't something that you'll walk past at a show once and not take a second glance. But as regards your Waterloo game, Dan, which... When was that at the Joy of Six? Oh, now then, when did I do that one? I forget which, you know, they all roll into one, don't they? Um, I just remember, I just remember trying to get it all in the car and yeah. uh, it was a push. It really was. And that was the first time, actually, that I'd got this game out. Um, now, is it Chris, Chris Grice, I think, is the That's chap right. who wrote the yeah. Napoleonic Almost, yeah. So uh, he very kindly offered to come on the day and uh, play the game because I'd never played the game. Out of my own obsession, just wanted to do this uh, Battle of Waterloo and spent nine years painting it all up and making the terrain and everything. But I didn't have anywhere to put it, so I'd just paint a unit, put it in a little box, file it away. Uh, I didn't have any room to set up all the terrain. So I'd never actually seen it oh, up anywhere actually until that day at the joy, day at the joy six, uh, and so that was great really just to see it all the first I've, time I'd I've, I've seen talked it. About you this know, before actually with Pear because he's he's in a similar boat in that the size of the game that he puts on, the first time he sees it all come together is at the show, and that when he first did that with one of his games at the Joe Six, it was quite an emotional moment for him to see all this effort uh, in front of him. So I can imagine what it must have been like for you after nine years. Yeah, 10,000 figures and, uh, you know, and a scale sort of been to the battlefield, you know, a few times and uh, walked around it all. And uh, like I say, you know, I've been reading about it for 40 years so i wanted to get it as uh, accurate as possible but yeah it was good it was emotional actually yeah seeing it up how many of you have played the game out uh there were so there was uh chris, another chap i forget his name now there were four of us uh on the day and then people you know obviously just yeah. kept coming up and chatting and what have you and it was good yeah it was good fun i mean we, we should have tweaked it really the rules because um I won't go into all the details of the pole moss rules, but only a certain amount of units can move, and uh, we, yeah. we we should have really upped that to get it moving quicker, especially for a demonstration game. Uh, I mean, a participation game uh, where you've only got a limited time. I mean, I think that's key to putting a game on, is having some perhaps drum-down rules, some things faster that's going to 
just grab yeah. the attention and people can just nip in and and even just have a couple of rounds and then move on you know you're not the only game there everybody wants to see all the games so you've got to have something that's uh just quick and easy you know so that's what that's why i went went with the hordes and heroes in the end and, and adapted those and uh <laughs> i called it a hard pounding gentleman which anybody knows the battle of waterloo will realize that's a quote from wellington but it does cause um issues when people are googling that <laughs> and, uh, might take them down rabbit holes yeah they, they, they end up somewhere where they didn't want to be so uh <laughs> yeah I should, maybe i should change the name so um i take it you're going to be back at joy of six next year 2020 i am yes uh i shall be there and i am uh just in the process now when i've i've uh finished these outstanding commissions i'll um, I think I'm going to take a break from the commissions and just uh, set me goal on finishing the uh, the Zulu War, the six mil Zulu War again for the second time. Um, yes. But it's back; it's bigger and better now, and I've uh, I've come up with some uh, fast fast rules and uh, brought in some sort of random factor, you know, playing cards. So that uh, it's not always going to be the same result, which obviously, if you're the British player, isn't well. Yes, it could be a tough day. End well. Uh, so hopefully, we'll be able to play it. Usually, if you can play the sort of uh, scenario out a couple of times in the morning, a couple of times in the afternoon, you get four games going on a on a day. That's that's pretty good. So hopefully, we can do that, and each each one will be sort of different result. Really, hopefully. What is your painting technique then? Are you a black undercoat man or painting technique? Well, yeah, I've moved on from the uh, umbral enamels now. <laughs> yeah, put those away. Put the terps away. You know, so now it's uh, it's all acrylics now. And I, I went early on with the uh, when they sort of first came out, and I've stuck with them. And that's the foundry paints, the triads, uh, which I just liked. You know, it's what I was doing anyway, sort of mixing up colours and and doing a sort of, um, you know. So I'll always I'll always spray them and an undercoat. And there's another debate, isn't it? What do you do? Do you do white? Do you do black? Well, actually, I don't. I don't do either of those. I, do, I always do a brown um, because white. I don't like painting onto white and black. I just I just find it too heavy the black. So I I, I use a brown and then I'll I'll use a a dark. A dark undercoat no shade and then i'll i'll put a uh a lighter coat on that and then a high, final highlight so i'll i'll still sort of try and use three yeah. three shades on on the colors and it's it's the key to six mil painting is uh is lighter shades than you'd normally use because you want them to stand out a bit and pop a bit you know and uh yeah contrast Speaking That's of it. contrast, have you tried the contrast paints? No, I think, I mean, I've read about them, I've seen them, I've I've, I've read comments on them. I, you know, I've not tried them, so I can't really say. But it's not something I'll be I'll be doing. It's a bit like the army painter, you know. Let's paint a figure and dip it in something. No, I don't do that. I'm, you know, I use quite a lot of washes now and inks. I got into those uh, recently, I suppose. Uh, and they're they're great. They you can do all sorts with them. Um, but yeah, well, it sounds like you've got a, yeah you've got a formula that you're happy with, and you're going to stick. Yeah, yeah. I sort of developed that over the years, and it 
I'm happy with that. Really. Yeah. So whatever fads and gimmicks come in, <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I'm very old school when it comes to you know the, the painting. I guess I like lead. I like lead figures. I'm not into all this sort of resin figures or I've never really, you know, since the Airfix days, mm. been into the plastics. I like a, I like mm. a lead figure, and I, I like a resin sort of um, building, you know. None of this MDF. M- <laughs> MDF. What? The last show I went to, on a shopping spree. I, I had my little list of things I needed, you know, and stock up on supplies and, and all that lot. And uh, I was amazed. Every other stand yeah. seemed to just be MDF. I thought I'd gone into, you know, being uh, Q at it's one stage. Place, isn't it? There's that, that much MDF about. Print MDF. But it is. It's yeah. They just use it for everything now. Now you know. I know there's. Uh, I was chatting with a guy. I forget his name now, but he does some lovely stuff with it. But he, uh, he obviously he doesn't just sort of make the MDF kit and put it on his his board. He'll render it, you know, and he'll put a <laughs> plaster on it and he'll paint and. He'll, they look great then you know you can't tell it's even mdf then but i'm a bit old-fashioned in that respect really and 3d printing you know i think that's coming whether we want it or not and uh, i think i've got one 3d printed thing and that was for that that battle of hoth game i needed a shield generator and there was just nothing really around and and there was a 3d print there that i i i printed off i mean it was for a 28 mil game but obviously it would have been far too small as yeah. most things are in 28 games when you look at them. Yeah. Um, but for six mil, it was quite imposing. So it worked well, but yeah, that's the only 3d printing thing. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm too long in the tooth and I'll stick with the lead figures and the, the resin buildings probably until uh, I draw my last breath. I mean, it'd be interesting. I think, you know, where, where we'll be in 10 years time with it all when it's obviously a lot more accessible, it'll have moved on, it'll be a lot cheaper. Um, maybe that's the way it'll all go, but hopefully they'll still be casting up little lead. In- interestingly, I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't really spend any time looking at it, but at the Joe of Six, there was a company, I think it was from Poland, who've uh, started 3D printing 6 mil figures. I'm going to look into that a little bit more. Apparently they, they are quite nice. I've not, I've not seen those. I mean, some of the buildings, you know, there's somebody at Joy 6 as well is doing some yeah. buildings. They look lovely. Yeah, and I think they were 3D, you know. The print. I, I, I can't get my head around it. That's the problem I have with it. I cannot understand how <laughs> something can be no, printed in no. 3D. I just... It's like black magic. Beyond me. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, yeah, it's got to be, I surely. I understand it. It can't be. It can't be legal, surely. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to find out soon, aren't they? <laughs> right. Um, so at the start of this chat, I said, we'll just have a, a little discussion around the six mil hobby and where it is and where it's going. What? Um, mm. And th- this came up at one of the seminars at Joy of Six, and there's been various conversations about it online and elsewhere, but... Yeah. What What is it that you think, or where where do you think six mil sits currently within the hobby, and what can we do to make it? It is an interesting one. I didn't get to this year's uh, seminar actually because I was obviously putting a game on. But the year before, I I uh, took a break from the game and I went along, and we had a similar debate then. It was interesting, you know, the whole sort of 
how are we gonna promote six mil within the the hobby so it's a it's a small niche within an already niche hobby isn't it so it's a tricky one i mean and it's what peter you know banged on about is that people don't give it a chance do they, they don't try it they haven't tried to paint yeah. a six mil figure they'll just go oh it's yeah. too small and and actually it's it's not you know if you're painting a 28 meter meter figure and you're painting buttons on the on the jacket well that's just like a water yes. bottle on a six mil figure isn't it so it's no different <laughs> i think there's that there's the problem you, you you know you mentioned earlier about the the photography of it all and getting it you know people buy the the the, the glossy mags don't they you know and they they have a look at them and it's all very lovely and there's the Perry's sort of books that they produce are gorgeous and all the scenery and there's you know it seems limitless to what what they can come up with it's i think trickier to capture that uh, sometimes you do i mean sometimes you get the odd photo you know you just happen to get the lighting right and you get a really macro close-up sometimes I, you know it's been a happy accident and i've got a shot and i've put it on and people have said oh you know that's lovely you know is that a, what scale is that 15 18 mil <laughs> it's really nice to be able to say actually it's yeah, six yeah. mil um but it's 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 tricky it's, you need a lot of light and uh there's techniques to that getting a good photo of a six mil so therefore you know these magazines they're not interested they want a photo that's got some impact um i mean saying that i was i was lucky enough to get after the joy of six uh many years ago when i did the sudan one dan from war games illustrated came over and, and took a load of stats and i managed to get some six mil you know in, in the magazine which is always like a, yeah, Woo, yeah. yeah you know we've got some six mil in a mag but that's the other part of it is is you know it's not got the exposure that 28 mil has how we up that is just down to people who who are into the six mil you know like yourself like this podcast getting the word out it's a good job that there's people like you who have got a bit more technical know-how than i have not you much, know mate, uh, not much. and <laughs> little wars tv i love that podcast you know that the last the latest one I mean, I'd love to do something like that, but I would not know where to start. You know, you get a lot of people saying, "Oh, why don't you do a, you know, a YouTube or how to, you know, do some painting, do how?" And it's just like I, I want, I want to have a clue how to do it. Really, <laughs> I'll put pictures on, and, and and that's about it. But it's getting the, uh, it's getting it out there, I guess, I isn't think, it? I think it can be done though, can't it, Dan? And you've said yourself that. There's some brilliant pictures. If you look at Peter's website, uh, on the front page there, there's some lovely pictures as it's, they scroll through. So I, I do I do push back against this idea that they can't be photographed. Okay, it might be you might need a bit more technical equipment. You might need better lighting or a better camera, but it can be done. Um, and yeah. and it is up to the six six mil community to step up and make this stuff available and get out to the shows and, and say to the show organisers, I've got this 12-foot game that represents whatever battle. I think Peter's talked about this. Um, at, when Derby first moved from the assembly rooms to the university, there yeah. was a, and this is probably seven, eight, nine years ago, there was a Battle of Borodino game 
um, in six mil that won the best in show, but it was never mentioned in any of the yeah. magazines. It looked it looked absolutely fantastic, <laughs> but nobody talked about it online. It's funny on the miniatures page on any of the forums or in the magazine, and you think, well, why why not? Why aren't they talking about how great that game was? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? That because I mean, I was lucky uh, enough to to bag the. Um... Best in show at Hammerhead this year uh, with with the Hoth game, uh, and I know that uh, Peter Riley won with his Battle of uh, Little Bighorn, didn't he? At Salute, best participation. So there's, you know, there's a couple of big shows there, six mil winners. But you, yeah, you don't you don't really hear who's, about who's it. Who's talking <laughs> about funny, it? Other than it? people who are in six mil. <laughs> yeah, other than other than people on, you know, these six mil. Um, groups. It's one one for us to scratch your head over. I think. Um, I think yeah. I think you've just got to. I think people have just got to go for it, you know, and do it and, and enjoy it because it is. It's really, it's really enjoyable. I spend so much time, you know, like I say, on your own painting is a is a, is a solo pursuit, and uh, it's just nice getting out there and getting some feedback. Yeah. Actually, it's all positive, and I think if people just put that that game on and tried it i think they'd enjoy it and do it again and maybe you know start at the joy six where it's a friendly uh you know six mil <laughs> appreciation yeah. and then and then take yeah. it out to another show i know paul and the hammerhead show, which is the other one i do he's uh he's keen for getting some six mil stuff on there you know all scales and they're all participation like at the joy six i think that the only two shows where every game is a participation game, which is great, I think, because you've got that inclusion aspect. Yeah, get them, get get out there and do it. Yeah. You know, pester, yeah, pester these folk, pester these folk at the mags, and see if you can come and get some photos of your work and show it off. I'm certainly putting, going to put my money where my mouth is and get a game on at Joe Six next year. And uh, I'm, I'm ahead. what's it going to be? Uh, it's going to be um, the Battle of the Somme. Uh, the Tietval section—it's just a small one, then. Yeah. Well, no, it, listen, it's it's going to be nothing like Robert Robert Dunlop did the sum, didn't he, at the Jury of Six? <laughs> yeah. Years ago, which was something like it reminded me of that that Black Adder thing where you know you can remember that scene where he gets that he's got that square yard of turf and he says, "What scale is it?" You know, it's like <laughs> one to one. Isn't it? <laughs> He's pretty much doing a one-to-one scale with that song. It went on forever, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, it did go on. It was a fantastic <laughs> effort. I mean, mine's going to be a lot yeah. smaller. It's a, it's a small sector <laughs> of the song, but just yeah. to dip my toe into it, um, and it's a solo project. I mean, I'm saying I'm saying it's a solo project, and there's you building Waterloo <laughs> over nine years on your own. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel a bit of a fraud saying that, but... No. <laughs> I, that's... Yeah, that's my uh, that will be my contribution, and who knows where it'll take me after that. But uh, oh, brilliant! Well, there you go. That'll be the first of many, I'm sure. Once yeah. you've done it, yeah, yeah you know, so. it's a learning curve as well. Is is you know, there's things it always takes longer than you think to set up. There's always something that don't quite work. You always need more people than you think you're going to do. You know, because um, you've got a nip off here and there. You got it. So there's there's lots to think of, and and the first time, you know, there'll be. Things you'll change, I'm sure. But um, yeah, well, maybe, it, maybe um, towards the end of the year, where I, I'm still in the research phase, really. Um, yeah. What I need and how I'm going to do it. Yeah. I've I've, I've purchased nearly all of the figures now, um, 
Yeah, well, that's the exciting part, isn't it? When you write your list of what oh, you need. It's lovely. <laughs> I live for it. I live for oh, those yeah. days. Oh, yes. Waiting for that little parcel. Well, actually, I, I like oh, collecting them from the shows. And uh, <laughs> I, I like to see the smile on Peter's face when uh, he hands <laughs> over this big package. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, just uh, you know, for those who are listening, if, if they did want to get a commission, it's all very low key. Your partner doesn't need to know about it. <laughs> Brown envelopes, <laughs> guaranteed. Brown envelopes, that sort of thing. It's very clandestine because I know what it's like, you know. And that's the other joy of, of uh, six mil scale is you can sneak stuff in a heck of a lot easier than you can with a 25 mil. Get an army in your pocket. <laughs> oh, of course you can. Scenery, get it all in, get a village, get a town in. <laughs> yeah. They'll never know. Yes, see, yeah. I mean, why people aren't catching on to this more, I don't know. <laughs> That's the biggest. That's the biggest bonus of a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think what I'll do, um, perhaps towards the end of the year or early next year, we'll get you back on and perhaps just have a little chat about how you go about e- each step of the process about getting a demonstration game on and a, yeah, yeah, you know what, be, the work that goes cool. into it because I'll certainly. Yeah. Uh, that'll benefit me if if nobody else. Wants, yeah. To be honest, yeah, I'd be happy anymore. to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, mate, it's been great chatting to you. Uh, I think we've rattled on for some considerable time now. Um, I'm, sure, let... I'm sure. I'm sure we have. We haven't even talked. We haven't even mentioned the war room, have we? No, we haven't, mate. No, no. Well, that's another reason why. Next you're time. Be <laughs> yeah, next time. Next time. <laughs> I, I am looking. I am looking for uh, one or two recurring guests that can fill the oh. slot when when needed and step up. Yeah, yeah. Life, um, uh, at short notice. Always so. happy to talk about, always happy to talk about six, <laughs> six <Yeah>. minutes. <laughs> That's the tagline. Let's talk about six. Yeah. No E in that. Mate. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, mate, there's um, a, a regular feature that I've started to include, which is a book recommendation, because if there's one thing us gamers like almost as much as, <laughs> buying figures it's buying books so uh, oh yes recommendation for us i do yes i uh thought about this long and hard thinking oh dear so many to choose from but one that i read uh, published about five years ago i think i was on holiday at the time and i took it it's a nice fat volume and it's uh by michael asher and it's Khartoum, the ultimate imperial adventure. And uh, it's a proper rip roaring yarn. It really is. Even if you're, you're not into the whole Sudan colonial wargaming or, uh, you know, Khartoum and General Gordon, uh, I can safely say you'll, you'll enjoy this as a read, just as the, as a story, basically. I mean, it's all... It's written in that sort of style. It's all obviously. It's not a dry historical book. It's uh, it brings it real. The the battles real. You feel like you're there when you read that. Yeah. It's a great book. Uh, His depiction of the uh, that sort of closing charge by the fuzzy wuzzies as they approach the square. He sort of likens them to uh, big cats, almost like panthers. You know they're they're so they're so impressive and fearless. Uh, you get a real sense of how utterly terrifying it must have been to uh, to face the the you know them tribesmen. 
Oof. Yeah, sure. This is something that I often think about when we depict battles and wars mm. on the table. Um, it's it's ve- they look great and it's great fun, isn't it? And mm. you know the game is yeah. is important, the the enjoyment of the game. But crikey, yeah. some of the situations that we recreate, yeah. we would not want to be in the nah, front line. Nah, you definitely wouldn't want to be there, yeah, facing those uh, those chaps with the big swords. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Good read, yeah. yeah. I could, uh, I can recommend that one. Mate, I'll I'll put that on the list and uh, put it in the links. Thanks for that. No worries. Okay, well, uh, all that's left to say, Dan, is uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm glad that we've managed to get to the end of an interview, and the technical gremlins haven't uh, beaten us. <laughs> Well, that'll be that'll be a first for me because computers usually just shut down when I come in a room. So, if if we've managed to capture this one this time, then uh, that's a victory. Well, uh, you you can't be much more than a hundred miles from me. Um, no, I thought myself uh, after the failure of last night. I spoke to <laughs> yeah. Greg Wagman on the other side of the Atlantic. Yeah, uh, and had problems. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What is going on? So, it can't be impossible. It can't be impossible. So, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm really glad, mate, that we've managed. I, I thank you as well, actually, because I've taken up two evenings of your time. And no, it's uh, quite really all right. It's a it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to get involved with it and join. You know, the likes of names uh, that you've had on in the six mil world. It's uh, just nice to be asked to come on. Well, you were on the hit list, Dan, from a very early, <laughs> from the very early stages of planning this podcast. Oh, and when I say planning, uh, I don't want you to think that I was sitting there with a whiteboard and uh, <laughs> there's a, a big meeting going on. It was really me just sitting, thinking, who who could I chat to? Yeah, <laughs> who's gonna? But you, who's gonna come on, on and talk about? Who's gonna be daft enough? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, your your name was there because uh, hmm. you're, you're ever present on Facebook with uh, Revali and and the stuff yeah. that you've done over the years at Joe hmm. Six has been uh, a credit to you, mate. And hmm. uh, long may that continue. Yes. So, I think um, so thanks, thanks very much, mate, for taking the time, and uh, we shall speak again. Yes, I look forward to uh, listening to future podcasts. Excellent. Well, hopefully, you'll be on one of them. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that chat as much as I did. Dan has certainly been around the scene for some considerable time and is a master of his art. Okay, on to the news. I've the next two interviews lined up, although scheduling them is proving somewhat problematic. I'm hoping to get these two interviews done and out before Christmas. And there are plans for a bit of a Christmas special, but more on that closer to the time. Secondly, as some of you who know me in real life will know, for the last God knows how many years, I've been playing the rules published by Peter Pig and I've collected large numbers of their figures. Although I have recently sold off uh, a lot of unfinished, never to finish projects, I've maintained my love for all things Piggy and not content with hosting one podcast dedicated to an overlooked scale. I'm going to dip my toe into running a second dedicated to Peter Pig and 15mm wargaming. This will 
likely be a less frequent podcast, probably bi-monthly or quarterly even, but I'll keep you updated across the usual social medias of progress as and when it's made. Before I go, I'd just like to say how sorry I've been to hear of two deaths within the gaming community. Today, uh, 4th of November, I read of the death of Stuart Asquith. Along with Featherstone, Grant, Quarry and Wesencraft, his name is synonymous with wargaming and there can't be a wargamer alive who hasn't read one of his books, magazines or articles. Secondly, and more personal to me, was the passing last month of Rob Roriston. Rob was a member of the Weymouth Levellers and a frequent face with the Peter Pig demo games at shows for many years. I had the pleasure and privilege to play many games with him and he always astounded me in his ability to actually roll worse dice than myself. Rob was a gentleman and a scholar and will be sorely missed by his family, friends and fellow club members both in the Weymouth area and beyond. Rest in peace, Rob. Okay, my plans for the next Joy of Six remain on course for my song game and painting for my Ultra Freedom and Tierton game continues with steady, slow but steady progress. I'll discuss more about these uh, most likely in the Christmas show. Okay, uh, that's all for now. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Check out the show notes for how to make contact with the show. As ever, thank you for all the support, especially during the short absence. It does mean a lot and encourages me onwards. So, without further ado, as ever, play nice and keep talking about six.
the German drops then a dear, oh dear. All the wide gave away a tiny yell, hooray, as he ran for the Dutch frontier. Goodbye, goodbye, oh, I pretty baby from your eye. Though it's hard to pass, I know, I know, I'll be single and to go, don't cry, don't cry.